Hello and welcome to this very first episode of uh, Pat Chat, uh, my new videocast. And um, I'm very happy for this uh, first episode that I could invite someone that is partly responsible that I'm doing this uh, video interviews or basically a real, a real life interviews it should be. But uh, due to the coronavirus, I had to change a little bit. So thank you very much, uh, Homam Algarani, for being my first guest. Hi, Patrick. First, I want to congratulate you for what you call it, Pat Chat. Pat Chat, yes. Pat Very Chat. simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great name, I think. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you. It's an honor to be uh, your first guest, right? I'm your first guest. Yeah, first guest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an honor. I'm, I'm glad you, you have started this uh, uh, video cast and you continue the, the trip, which I, I start with you last time. Yes, but due to yeah. travel and some uh i got busy so i couldn't continue and but i'm glad that you managed to you pick up from there and, and continue with that. <laughs> yeah let's see i mean uh, i just started as i said i got the concept together so um mm. then i thought like who, who should be the first guy and um as i said i'm very honored the honors mine basically that uh, you you found the time i think it's uh, quite troublesome time for the moment uh, but we come back to that a little bit later first of all uh, of course um, like we always started our um, uh, startup zones interviews i want to know from you uh, who you are and you're from syria that's i know but tell me mm. a little bit about your life uh, back then in syria how you grow up okay uh let me think like uh, i had like a uh... My, my life was not like very ordinary maybe where to start childhood like i was uh, the eldest uh, i have uh, four siblings so i'm the eldest one uh, i studied i was not not like a, in the beginning i was a very good student but when i moved to maybe the high school i start not to be that good like in primary school i was you can say straight a student so i always get high uh grades but uh, when i progressing with my study i think it was going down uh, i would say my 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 childhood was like normal childhood in compared to the middle east maybe when you compare to other countries it's uh, a bit different but i would say it, it was like uh, normal so i was like very active kid i used to run and play all, all day and and I like to talk a lot, so that get me a lot in trouble in school. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I studied in public schools, and there, you know, they are very strict. And that time, you know, the beating was okay. So I used to get punished almost every single day uh, oh, so because I'm caning. talking. There's yeah, caning. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so because I, it's sometimes for silly reasons when I, I think about it now, like because I used to talk to my some who's whoever sitting next to me so i used to talk to them a lot and if the teachers see me like that uh, i will get punished well i don't really much blame them because like our classes was crowded so if every student want to talk it's it's going to be a mess like we used to be in average 50 students in 50 in 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 one class and yeah so it, it was the norm at that time like it's not like something against me but anybody who do this kind of things will be punished 
Mm. Yeah, I understand. So uh, at that time, was there, uh, you're in your 30s, right? So was mm. there any conflict already? You grew up with like the conflicts or war pieces that were around at that time already? Uh, okay, uh, I will tell you a bit about Syria. So most of my life, until I think the age of 23, I was living in Syria. So Syria was like, you can say very peaceful country. There was no war. Uh, we don't have like uh, gun culture. Nobody like almost own a gun or anything. But at the same time, it was like under dictatorships. So it's like there's no crimes. If you talk about the crime rate, it was very low. Like it's one of the safest countries in the world. But at the same time, if you speak your mind, if you disagree with the government, uh, if you criticize the president, if you make a political joke, that will have very, very, very serious consequences on you and sometimes on your family as well. Mm. So uh, at age of 23, so I was studying uh, after high school. I studied uh, uh, like a diploma in computer engineering. Then uh, it was for two years. But in Syria, the law is after you finish your studies, you have to go for military service mm -hmm. for two and a half years. Uh, so I didn't want to go to military because like my nature, I don't like to follow order. I don't like, uh, I, I like to think for myself and decide for myself what I want to do. And if you're talking about military, military basically tell you, shut this down and follow the order. Mm. And that's something that, and, and you know, if you talk about our army is different, maybe from US army or some Europeans armies is there, there would be a lot of, there will be actually no human rights and the conditions are very terrible. Hmm. Uh, so I, at, this, at that time, also my brother, he has some, he starts some to be active in politics. So he got arrested and I decided after that, that the best thing for me is to leave the country because sometimes, even if you had nothing to do with anything, if one of your family members got involved in this kind of thing it's like a curse on the whole family so with torture with anything happened to him he can say anything they want him to say so i decided to leave the country and i managed to to so i i was looking i was i wanted always to study abroad so i wanted to go to uk but i find i cannot afford that need to pay like the full tuition uh, for non-EU countries plus the living cost and if you compare it with our uh, income in Syria it's uh, I, I won't be able to make it so I find uh, another choice which is Malaysia so I find there are some university private university offer you a UK degree and the living cost in, in Malaysia is much cheaper also the tuition fees so I decided to go to Malaysia and I had some friends who went there previously and they told me it's like it's okay it's good so when I came to Malaysia, I came in 2005. So now I'm almost 15 years uh, in Malaysia. And uh, yeah, I didn't plan to stay 15 years, but one thing led to another. Uh, after finishing study here, I studied computer science. And then the war started, then it's obvious that there's no going back. And mm, yeah, I understand. So 23, you came here and, uh, well, obviously due to political reasons, right? So you, can I ask your brother is still 
I mean, in prison or how did this? Well, he was there? in prison for for some time, mm. like five, six years, without any like uh, court or any, you know, like it's like they will just catch anybody and he will disappear. Like. Okay, but he was there for okay. five, six years. Then suddenly, one day, we find him at our door knocking. They released him. Wow. Okay. At that time, also the Syrian uh, civil war or revolution. Yeah, uh, started and then he joined the rebels. So okay, then he disappeared again. Then one day on Facebook, I think one of his friends sent sent a photo for, uh, to my mother. Uh, we find his photo with those photos which was released by one uh, one defected agent from the Syrian army who released at that time around eleven thousand around 11,000 pictures for people who were uh, arrested and tortured and died in the wow. Syrian prison. So he was one of them. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. That's a, a big story. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry to hear that. Homam. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't aware about that, even though I know you for some time already. Uh, so I can understand um, that uh, after you relocated here to Malaysia um, at 23 and you studied here, there was no big motivation to go back, right? As you said, the uh, civil war also started at that time. Um, yeah, so civil war started. If you go back, you will be sent to the military and you have to f kill your own people. And I don't want to mm. kill anybody. I don't want also anybody to kill me. And at that time also I had a family, so I, I got married. Uh, yeah. Just after I graduated, so it was mm. uh, arranged marriage, mm. and I I had a daughter. But also after a few years, that marriage didn't work out. So uh, me and my ex-wife we divorced, and uh, she took my daughter with her. Then I was uh, I was still in Malaysia, so I can't go back because you know the military thing and the war situation. So. After that few years, I, I, I'm, I got married again, and now I have uh, another daughter with my wife. So my wife okay. is Malaysian. Mm -hmm. And since then, uh, maybe I will tell you about my entrepreneur to light up the moon. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. No, I yeah. didn't want to uh, dig too yeah. deep into that. I mean, yeah, I know yeah, but, but I met your like wife, I met your daughter. It's like mm -hmm. uh, yeah. now more peaceful here, I understand. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I Correct. think we can put like uh, <laughs> the topic to an end here. Yes. Yeah, but the, the problem is that, not the problem. The thing is all, everything happened at the same time. So I actually... I, after I graduated uh, from the university in 2000, I, I finished my, my exam in end of 2008. And just after a few months, I was interned for a local company for a few months. Then uh, I, me and my classmate, who we were working at the same company, uh, we, I was telling him, why don't we start our own company and do like, whatever all these small companies or startups doing. And we were researching me and him on interactive, uh, interactive surfaces, like how to make any surface interactive. So he's like, you know, this need a lot of money. You are crazy how we can leave our jobs. We just got this job and, and we should just focus on our job. Like we, we are foreigners as well in Malaysia. Like we have no connection. We just graduated like, Nobody will take us seriously. And I'm like, 
I don't think so. So from long time ago, you know, even now I do startup zone, but from long time ago, I was a blogger actually. That that time, oh, okay. uh, before social media, blogging was the like the main thing. So I I used to have a blog, and it was kind of famous at that time, especially in the Middle East, because I blog in in Arabic language. Okay. So I just posted like uh, me and my friend. We can do this kind of thing. We can do this research. We want to take it to a product and release it to a market and create an interactive table. And believe it or not, just after 15 minutes from posting that post, I received an email from a, a Syrian who worked in Japan. He is like a PhD uh, guy who worked in one uh, Japanese construction companies and he has so many patents. And he seems, uh, he was like in his 40s, so he seems like, he wanted to do something. He's like sick of working for corporates and he want to go to, in, to a startup or entrepreneurship. At that time, you know, when I graduated and did that, I didn't really know all this was entrepreneurship, you know, startup. I, I just, we were just discovering the, the thing. So yeah, after a few weeks, he funded us and we started, and I started my first company. Wow, nice. Uh, it, just like that and that my friend who called me crazy to think about starting a company i made i asked him to join and he was a very good developer and we worked together and uh we received a, even a few uh awards on what we have done and we managed to after like one year of course you know during the starting a company we had no idea we were so naive we had no idea how difficult starting a company is <laughs> we got it easy yeah. in the beginning by getting investment and that thing actually backfired after that but uh, we were like for one year almost has like very little income we were negative and we were learning everything from scratch like at that time we don't know what is an invoice we don't know what is a po or purchase order uh, how to write a business plan. We had zero experience in business. We just some geeky programmers, student who just graduated and, and now yeah. starting a business and now doing, uh, because we do B2B. So we're doing contracts, like sometimes half a million ringgit contract and we really have no idea. <laughs> and then, yeah, we have to learn everything. And, and I think okay. because we are so naive and sometimes being naive is a blessing, you don't know how difficult it is and then you <laughs> dare to try and this is what we did yeah correct yeah. because yeah we had no idea how difficult it is we, we just tried nice but, nice. but sometimes when you know how difficult you will think many times before you yeah, start yeah, something yeah yeah, yeah but so, sometimes uh, maybe it's a good good to have to balance right someone who just like pushes you know mm -hmm. with a certain amount of naivety and then mm -hmm. but other guys like have like more like a structured approach which can mm -hmm. give the input and the ideas like how to do things um, yeah so so do you think like well okay you started your your own company like at very uh, young age just after um, university Mm. And I assume like that experience also helped you like to go to the next venture. Even the first one was maybe not, well, you can say it's sec successful because you sold stuff, right? So you made some money from Actually, it. Yeah, I, we sold some stuff, but uh, I learned also a very mm. valuable lesson is when you start a company, 
and you having a co-founder i think the most important thing to me like do not ask about skills don't care about you know the most important thing is you must make sure that person share the same vision with you mm. like you have to set what is our ultimate goal you and the investor so if you want to bring investor along with, with with your in your company you have to discuss this very you have to ask all these tough questions mm. so uh, you need to make sure you are aligned on the same goal because let's say if we have conflict together we can always refer to the vision like is this something we are trying to do or we are not agreeing on is this going to bring us closer to our goal or closer to our what we want to be or is it not so if we agree on the goal and we can always when we have a discussion we can see and then that will be our reference point but if we never agree on what our end goal then it it's going to be very difficult and messy situation like mm. you have to know is my goal for example to sell this company like to exit and sell and let somebody acquire this or is your goal for example it could be a social cause or whatever so if let's say if you have two partners one is driven by the social impact and one is driven by the money for sure these two is very tough for them to work together mm, and sometimes that. also when you bring an investor it will get more complicated so i learned a very valuable lesson because at the end we we find ourselves each one has a different uh vision different direction want to go so the investor they just want he want his money back and a profit on that and my, my friend doesn't care about uh, the innovation he just want he don't mind selling the company or having a new ceo running our company and we become employees and i was like no this is uh, my passion i i just want to do what i love i love technology this is what i want so we had a conflict and that's mm. i think the most valuable lesson yeah yeah I learned from that experience. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember we had a couple of discussions in the past. Exactly, yeah. I think these main points, right? Mm. Um, when you start up, go with a co-founder or more co-founders, or go alone. And then mm. the second discussion is around like uh, bringing investors in, or like what is like the idea of bringing investors in. And uh, I think it's mm. uh, it's a very good summary, and uh, also gives some idea with your experience that you have uh, uh, you had in the past. Why why this or that version can work or can uh, maybe also can fail, right? Um, let's, let me bring a next question up because that might sure. fit into this uh, time when you start this company. Um, yeah. So now most of the people know you as the hologram man. Uh, that's yeah. also how you brand yourself a little bit. How, how did that mm -hmm. come up at what time or what was the point that someone called you like this? Okay, so you know Diogo, right? Yes, I know. Yeah. 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 He's actually the first man to oh. call me the hologram. Man. <laughs> okay. So at that time, I, I, I sublet part of my office and Diogo like uh, rented. So we were working together. He doing his uh, media stuff. I was doing my own stuff. So when one day I came to the office and he said, hi, hologram man. Then he's like the first person. And I, I kind of like it. I, I like the name. So yeah. So then some people start to call me the hologram man <laughs> but you know since then like now i kind of moved on i yes. like, like i it was a, a 
a part of something I was uh, working on and trying, but I moved on like to artificial intelligence and uh, automation and and this kind of thing. Uh, so uh, now maybe do you want me to talk about why I went to Singapore and what I'm working on? Right absolutely, now? absolutely. Yeah. I was a good uh, transition of what you just made. So um, mm. yeah, last year uh, you announced, and uh, I was a bit surprised uh, mm. by the announcement that you you're going to uh, take a new position uh, in Singapore. Um, mm. So I think you started around last year or beginning this year, um, but maybe you you tell yourself uh, what what really happened. What was the trigger for that? And okay. especially what you're doing. I mean, that's mm. also mm. interesting. Well, uh, well, okay. Uh, I let me think how I started. Okay, I will I will call because you have one thing you mentioned to me about what I call as a home. So I call my Malaysia as a home. And uh, but you know the things was not working very well because the economy was not so good in the past I think two years and uh, the business was like going down every by time passing and I was uh, at a point I was kind of depressed and I need like a fresh start so I I heard about this entrepreneur first you know I heard about a lot of accelerator but I don't care before because I was focused on working alone and bootstrapping and i don't want investors but i heard about this accelerator it's called they call entrepreneur first who invest in people they don't require you to have a company or idea or anything they just bring like this is how they advertise themselves and they just bring the brightest minds in the world and put them together and let them uh do ideation work together to come up with uh new ideas and new, new companies so their selection process is very tough like from every 10 application they will shortlist three people and interview them and from every three interview they will pick one person so i don't know i i just applied i and i never thought uh, they would pick me then i was surprised they were called they called me and they asked me for interview and then I did the interview, I was thinking, and maybe I didn't do it so well there. And then next thing I know, they accepted me. So I thought, why not? I go there, I meet new people, and maybe I learn something because I, you know, I didn't talk about my whole story, the whole history, but I started like four companies, and every time, I won't call it I failed, but I didn't reach where I wanted to go. And I learned a lot of valuable lessons on the way. So I thought, why not? I just give it a try and, and, and go there. So I went there around January this year. And yeah, it was like a really amazing experience. And I, I don't want to like brag or be arrogant. But I used to feel like when I sit with a group of people, like I'm kind of the smartest person in the group. But when I went there, that not, does not apply anymore. I sometimes feel like I'm the least smart person there <laughs> because really uh, very amazing people, very smart people from all over the world, from India, from China, from Australia, from UK, from, from Singapore, from Malaysia, maybe there was, no. Maybe I was like the only person representing Malaysia. There was another guy, but he dropped off. Uh, so we didn't really, I met him in KL, but we didn't manage to meet him there in, in the, in the mm. Congo. 
So they ask us to work on something with deep tech. So deep tech usually like involves stuff like biotech, medtech, artificial intelligence, data analytics, things like that. They don't care like much about starting an, a mobile app or e-commerce website. They consider that like a shallow tech. So they want something based on research and, and based on very, like deep, deep understanding of industry like something is not easy to replicate. So they usually select two types of people, people with domain and technical background, like people who has a PhD, let's say in, in chemistry or biotech, and people who they call them catalysts, like people who can build products so fast, people who has connections. Even catalysts, they divide them to two parts, like the catalyst doer and catalyst talker. So uh they put me as a catalyst doer because uh, from my background i'm very good in building prototypes very fast i'm very mm -hmm. fast learner i can like build uh an mvp in few weeks or a few days so this is where uh, i i fit in so during that i was uh working so so how how this thing worked like you you it's like to me like speed dating so you will meet those people you find where the people you can uh, work with and you come up with idea, you try to validate the idea and you present it uh, to them. And if they like the idea, they will fund it. If they don't, uh, then yeah, you can do it on your own or the, mm. they won't fund it basically. Interesting, yeah. So, I, so like when I went there, I was exposed to a lot of things. And one thing I learned, I used to, you know, I like something, I just work on it and, and then I try to sell it to people. So. I create a solution and then I try to find a problem where there I had to learn and I have to really resist my, because I'm a doer, right? So I like to create things and do things before do a proper research. Mm. So I have to resist this. And many times I find I have a great idea. And then when we do the market research and when we talk to people, we no find out it. that, yeah, no one wants it yeah. or it's not really a big deal or mm. what they are doing right now. They still live with, they can live with that. So to make them move to another solution, I have to learn that it needs to be 10 times better than what they are doing right now. If it's a slightly better or it's like 50% better, you know, they won't make the effort to, to move to your solution. And that, that, that's what I find out why I was not succeeding all this time before. So like, it took me 10 years to understand that. <laughs> so yeah. basically one, one, one month or two months in uh, Singapore in that program helped, helped you a lot to, to progress. And I, yeah. I uh, saw maybe recently I, you had I, like, yeah. Yeah, maybe I, I was told this or I read this before, but I don't know why I couldn't grasp it. But mm. when I was there and talking to all these people and pitching to investors, I start to kind of, Okay, I, I, I get it now. understand, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, you do a lot on the uh, research side now for maybe a product that you're working on. Uh, I think I can... Uh, but you're still in the research mode, right, for that? Yeah, yeah. So we're still validating the idea. Actually, we, we were, I was validating a few ideas before. So yeah. it depends on who I, I, I partner with because... The thing there is you, there is a team form, team breakup, team form is, is a normal like for people to, to form teams and break up all uh -huh. the time. Like okay. sometimes in one day, you will find two teams uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, created and five teams broke up. So like oh, okay. it is it's very like uh, yeah creative chaos kind of thing. Like, okay, yeah. I understand. I understand. So, so I, I was working yeah. on uh, uh, something to like a solution to improve conversation between parents and children. And honestly, I loved this idea. Like uh, I, I was working with a master uh, with uh, with one of my cohort members. She was she has a master in early childhood, and her research was on conversation between parents and children. And for me, like I like to connect to my daughter, and in the same time, I wish I understand my father and I had time to talk to him and understand what he was going through because my father was most of the time busy at work and. We didn't really, we were not close, you know, at all. And sometimes, like, I was angry at my father or maybe resent him, like, why he never, for example, picked me from school, why he never played with me, why he never been around, like, why he, he always go early morning, come. At me. Then, you know, I only start to understand that when I start, I went to work, you know, and I found how difficult it is actually to earn mm. living. Yeah. Um, but you know, during teenage time or maybe early youth, I I I, I had not a good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I I like like uh, to talk to him. What was his dreams when his child, or what it was his fears and things like that. So we were working on something like that. But we found out that yeah, it's a great idea. Maybe there's a market for it, but the investors will not invest in it. Like. Uh, it was like a bummer. I really wanted to work on that, and uh, that one, that solution would use artificial intelligence and emotion speak recognition to understand the conversation because it's like a host between two people, so between mm-hmm. the parents and oh. and uh, the child, right. and it would be like on a mobile app. But it use all of those uh, recognition AI like, recognition like a mo- like a AI moderator or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Like okay. So that, that idea I really like to work on, but we find out that there will be no investors to back us. <laughs> then okay. we we I, I moved through the few ideas. Now the last one I have is is like working on a solution for creating a virtual company secretary and doing. Uh-huh regulation and law compliance yeah yeah uh we we i still don't know for sure if, if there is a need for that but i'm talking to some lawyers i'm talking now to some company secretaries i'm doing a survey online survey to talk to startups and to decide which direction we can go with this should we focus on smes or should we focus on uh, listed companies because my co-founder he has uh, a law background and he worked in IPO, in listing companies in Hong Kong uh, exchange uh, market. So he has that domain ex- experience, and I'm the tech tech person. So yeah, yeah. together we can we yeah, can that work. That sounds on. interesting. So, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it sounds so, interesting. I was looking at the at the survey that you did. Maybe I can also mm-hmm. share it here in this uh, video. And um, yeah, I'm I'm for sure. Uh, uh, I'm convinced like this kind of solutions might have potential, right? Because uh, wherever you have a lot of paper and people involved, there's a lot of uh, administrative things to do, a lot of errors that can happen. Uh, that's definitely uh, AI can help to like, uh, let's mm. say, speed up or smooth from the process a little bit. Mm. Because like from my point of view, and I could be wrong, that I think 
a lot of this work is like repeat, repetitive work and yeah, yeah true uh, and the ai can do it easily and it can be scaled then into you know to to big number of companies can use it and at the same time i personally experienced a lot of time you know they send me the form and my name is written wrong you know like here <laughs> nobody can get yeah. my <laughs> or sometimes you know i i forget to update my passport number to the company secretary oh so, yeah yeah okay yeah there is a lot of repetitive work which can be fully automated like i think company secretary business can be fully autopilot mm. like and and like a few people can run it and you can like have 10000 companies uh as your customers and uh you can charge them like very minimum fees and yeah. make make a good profit and sure. like from my market research like in Malaysia there is i don't know like i was surprised there's 1.3 million companies registered mm. wow so that like that's that's a big number like right? this is we talking about Malaysia we i'm i'm planning to go in the whole southeast asia region like Malaysia Singapore Hong Kong at least these three countries so we talking about Awesome. Of awesome, yeah. potential awesome. like yeah okay great great i i wish you for sure uh good luck and all the best of that uh project i'm sure we will hear from from you in uh this or that way uh any disruptive uh products coming up very soon um please follow home mom on uh, facebook and linkedin and whatever other social media you share with me later uh, mm. to get the uh, updates and uh, well the, the time is already uh, over so um, maybe a, a last question currently you're currently in Malaysia right uh, so yeah. uh, how you travel between how is it possible to travel between Singapore and Malaysia or you stay here for the moment well uh, so I that my last thing funny thing happened so Singapore announced that anybody coming like after monday will need to stay at home for 14 days so i rushed to singapore okay i was visiting my family so i rushed to singapore and then on tuesday they announced that anybody coming to malaysia that they won't let any foreigner come back to malaysia so i rushed the next day back to malaysia back, back here okay yeah so like i'm kind of stuck here now uh because now singapore if i go there i will be uh stuck for 14 days and here we are under like home stay also, home, yeah yeah, uh, yeah what they call it like it's not a full uh block lockdown road block but, but yeah, yeah. Like, we have to stay at home all the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. so so let's hope <laughs> in the future things will ease up and the number of infected people uh Will, will slow down and maybe eventually will stop but you yeah. know there's something i want to talk about if we have quick time like yeah uh, short one time. minute one minute yeah yeah or two one minute okay <laughs> so before before what's all this corona thing because it affected you know my our current program and we have to full 100 online so but before i was thinking people are overreacting and i was kind of like why people panicking i was like against that i i think people should relax there's nothing serious like the death rate is like 0.2% like it is not significant enough to even worry about it but you know i was reading actually yesterday of some research and actually it changed my mind and i want to tell people maybe corona is not very dangerous right now but if it keep infecting people the virus eventually will develop itself and it can get more deadly and deadly by time 
So every time it infects one person, you are giving this virus like 1,000 or 10,000 or 1 million like lottery ticket for it to be much, much more deadly than now. So if it's now under 1% of, of deadly cases, it can jump to 40% in a matter of few months if it keeps infecting more people and more people. So that's why we, we need to stay safe and stay at home. Okay, very good. I like that. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for this uh, closing words. I agree with you. Let's uh, stay home. Let's stay safe for the time being and uh, hope uh, to beat uh, this virus in this way. So yeah. thank you very much, Homam. Again, very honored and I'm very uh, happy you made it to uh, this first uh, interview. I hope soon we can do uh, physical interviews again uh, yeah. I don't have to use this uh, online uh, tools it's still nice uh, very it's the new norm yeah. yeah it's a new norm yes uh, still very interesting thank you so much for sharing your experience uh, your your life your stories and uh, yeah stay safe all the best uh, and I hope I see you soon again Omar. thank you very much Patrick it's okay. a great honor thanks thanks okay bye. thank you bye. okay bye bye this episode was brought to you by Hopnop. Hopnop is a community of like-minded professionals, freelancers, entrepreneurs, founders, business owners, and local influencers that meet monthly at unique venues to network, mix, and mingle. Live networking events are the best way to meet new people in your city and make new connections. Hopnop, your network is your net worth. Grow your circle of influence.